And we welcome you to the Wednesday Morning Show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg, and today is the monthly visit of Brian Albrecht, the president of Gateway Technical College. Welcome, Mr. President. Thank you, Greg. It's always a pleasure <laughs> to be here. And I think we're going to have uh, uh, an extra dose of fun today and excitement because we're going to be talking today about the uh, Smart City, Smart Futures competition under the auspices of Foxconn. And we're going to be talking about it, in a sense, on two different levels. Right off the bat, we're going to be talking about the impact of this on the mayor of Racine and the city of Racine. Uh, so Corey Mason's going to be joining us right off the bat. And then after that, we'll be talking about two of the second round individuals who are competing also in this competition. Right. I couldn't be more excited about today's program. You know, last week I was so honored to be invited by the mayor to uh, attend uh, an event in San Diego, which really helped to elevate my understanding of the capacity that smart cities bring to a community. And a special announcement was held at that convening, and I'll let the mayor tell you all about it. But I was so proud to represent Gateway at that event and just the, the entire community of Racine and the entire state of Wisconsin as uh, we begin to move down this new adventure of really integrating technology into, the, into our lives. It's exciting. And so anyway, we are really honored that uh, the mayor of Racine, Corey Mason, uh, can join us for the first few minutes of our program. We welcome you back to the morning show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Good to have you here. And I'm sure you're especially glad to be here when we can talk about something as happy and exciting as this. So we want to extend congratulations to you and the city of Racine on receiving the Smart Cities Readiness Challenge Award. So explain to our listeners uh, what this award is and what's involved in, in receiving it. Sure. So first, I should thank all of our partners who, who made this uh, successful bid into this competition possible. And that was really built on a great series of partnerships built locally with the city and Gateway Technical College, as well as UW-Parkside, UW-Madison, uh, Racine County Economic Development Corporation, uh, and Foxconn, who all participated uh, and, and sent a delegation down to San Diego to compete for this award. So what the Smart Cities Council is, is basically it's an industry uh, group that comes together and, and really brings uh, companies that are doing smart city technology around the country and looks for the cities that seem most prepared to launch these new technologies in their communities. And so it's a national, uh, it's actually a North American competition, uh, and over 100 cities entered. Uh, and we were one of the five cities to be awarded the Smart Cities Readiness Challenge. We're the first city in, in the state of Wisconsin to receive this designation. We're also the smallest city to ever win this competition. So we were very proud to be there, uh, very proud to be represented, and really excited about what Smart City means for our future. Mm. Hard to capture the energy of the event, but it was a packed house, <laughs> and yeah. uh, people were on pins and needles, you know, waiting for the announcements of the winners. And um, of course, they, they announced Racine last, so we right. were all right on the edge of our seat going, like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And then when they did announce it, just so proud, Corey oh. accepted the award and just gave a great speech and really helped to elevate uh, Racine, its history, and uh, what its future has to offer for residents and for future growth. So, uh, Mr. Mayor, take us inside that term, smart city. Yeah. Uh, what is being referred to, and uh, and and, in, in, and and what does that represent, both sort of present and future. Yeah, so from a, a values and goals perspective, when we say smart cities, and the Smart Cities Council helped us develop this definition, but what we mean is, how are you going to use technology to improve the lives of your citizens, right? And so specifically, that means around issues of sustainability, of livability, of workability, and equity, right? I mean, we want to make mm -hmm. sure these new technologies aren't widening uh, the wage gap. We want it to, to bring people closer together and create more opportunities. So it's in specific terms, though, that means we're going to focus early on around connectivity and this new 5G technology that's coming 
online and, and being one of the first cities prepared to do that. We're very excited about what uh, Smart City might mean for mobility uh, and vehicle options moving forward in the future uh, and what it might mean for our transit system. And then obviously the potential to improve public safety around uh, a number of technology uses is, is just around the corner. So uh, we'll focus on those three areas, but it, it's really living by those, those values. And at the end of the day, uh, as cool as the toys uh, can be in this, we always have to go back to, well, how is this improving the lives of our residents? How is this making things better for us? Um, and so, so we were very excited about that. So do you get this award because you have these toys? Or do you get this award because you're interested in these toys or because you have the most interesting ideas about how to use these toys? Yeah, and I shouldn't, I mean, toys is sort of a, a, <laughs> a an important um, substitute for investment, which right. makes me really very excited, right? This is private investment coming to the city to do this, this work. But we spent the better part of, of half a year working with Gateway and other partners, sort of showing how we're prepared for this change to come, that we've got the regulatory structures in place that we're ready to move quickly, uh, that, that we've got great partnerships, so it's not just coming here and doing smart city things, it's working with Gateway to build a curriculum around some of those things so that there's a workforce that comes behind it to be able to do that work. And sort of showing those partnerships and that willingness and that eagerness is, I think, what gave us the competitive edge in that competition. Mm. Yeah, you know, Greg, and there's, there's so many examples around us every day that we just sort of take for granted. We kind of watch our communities grow and the types of skills that workers are required to have. And in fact, the radio station is a good example. So we go from an analog system to a digital system, mm. and now music is played and streamed, and it's just a different environment in how we access that. Um, but it's the same in, in every occupation. This radio station is located in the Inspire Center for Healthcare, which is all around digitization of the healthcare industry and making sure medical records are transmitted accurately, and we train on human patient simulators, right? Mm. So it's just a different environment, and we know that transportation is affected by that. We know that communications is affected by that. The way that people access services, whether it's through cell phones today, where it might have been the yellow pages in the past, right? Mm. And so how do we make that investment um, sustainable, and how do we make it something that every citizen has access to? So, Mr. Mayor, what are your biggest goals now for uh, Racine uh, in, in the wake of receiving this award? Well, I mean, I think long term, we're so proud of our, our history as an innovation city, as a place where people could come to invent and, and invest and uh, be inspired to try new things. Um, I, I think what we're most excited about, this being a, a new way to do that in the 21st century, to, to bring capital and inventors and innovators together to try some of these things out in the city of Racine. I think that's what we're excited to see. But uh, in terms of those actual applications, I mean, I think what you're going to see is in a few years, Racine, a, a very forward thinking and, and forward invested place where if you want to come and try new technology out, the place to really do that is going to be in the city of Racine. And can you give us one example of how that might play out? Or, or, or are the specific examples still so far off in the future we just can't guess what they would be. No, they're not that far out, but uh, but I think there's going to be future announcements that we'll get to make about what they'll mean. Again, they'll be around those areas around connectivity and 5G. They'll be areas mm -hmm. around transit and mobility. They'll be er around areas of public safety. Um, but when we have um, exciting things to say, we'll come back and tell you all about it. Sounds good. And I imagine you uh, envision this as being a tremendous catalyst for the, the local economy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is uh, be between this Smart City designation and the work that we're trying to do to leverage uh, the federally designated opportunity zones that are in the, the cities downtown. We think this is a great opportunity for people to come to invest and innovate uh, and help rebuild our middle class. Mm -hmm. 
Corey Mason, the mayor of Racine, we appreciate you joining us for the opening of today's morning show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And part two of today's morning show coming up in just a moment. We want to remind you that support for WGTD's morning show comes from Jack Andrea, a Kenosha tradition since 1911, newly reimagined for 2019. A unique shopping experience time and time again, and that's what brings you back. More information at jackandrea.com. Jack Andrea, a proud supporter of WGTD's morning show. Support for the morning show also comes from Carthage College, welcoming award-winning author Peter Annan tonight. He'll present the inaugural lecture in the Gunderson Lecture Series, Titled Great Lakes Water Tension in the 21st Century, Annan will discuss the challenges we face regarding a sustainable water practice. A reception and book signing will follow. This event is free and open to the public. Details about tonight's event at carthage.edu slash Gunderson. And once again, we welcome you to the Wednesday Morning Show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg, still sitting uh, across the table from... Brian Albrecht, the president of Gateway Technical College, and now we are joined by three very special guests, all associated with Gateway and all winners in the Smart Cities, Smart Futures competition, the second round, we should say. So they have not just been winners in the first round, but advanced to the second round as well. So we have with us uh, Kate Field, who is an instructor in the horticulture uh, program here at Gateway. Steve Whitmoyer, who is an instructor in the Civil Engineering Department, and Don Heckel, who is actually a, a student here at Gateway. He owns Third Coast Bicycles in downtown Racine, but is also a student here in construction project management. And to be perfectly clear, I think it is Kate and Don who are the actual winners, but Steve played a very instrumental role in Don's proposal for the competition, if I understand correctly. So uh, so anyway, so we, we certainly wanted to have him here, and he's going to uh, contribute a very special kind of expertise to all of this. And Brian Albrecht, you're just jumping out of your skin with excitement. This is, uh, it doesn't get much better than this, does I, it? I feel, I feel very smart today. I got to sit <laughs> next to the mayor talking about a Smart Cities Initiative and now next to these three brilliant uh, individuals who have not only supported Gateway along the way, but are now elevating their opportunities throughout the entire state in the Foxconn Smart City, Smart Future competition. And just so proud that Gateway um, has been a part of their journey and will continue to be a part of their journey no matter what happens in the final announcements of awards. But I think you're going to be excited to hear about their projects today and what this could potentially mean for our community. Fantastic. So before we get to the projects, we just want to learn a little bit about each of you. Kate, let's begin with you. Uh, this has to be a very busy time of year, I should think, for the horticulture program and for your colleagues and your students. Tell us your own particular responsibilities with Gateway's horticulture program. Well, actually, I recently retired last week. Oh my gosh, I hadn't yes, heard that. <laughs> yes, but uh, I was a curriculum chairperson, uh, horticulture instructor, and greenhouse manager for 27 years. And in that capacity, I introduced hydroponics to the greenhouses a few years ago, and that's where I got my initial 
idea. Ah, for the for this competition, which we'll get to in just a moment. The the ultimate green thumb. I'm telling you, Kate, <laughs> we're so happy and pleased. Uh, her tenure at Gateway has been really remarkable and has really elevated our horticulture program to uh, state and national recognition. And we're, if you've not visited uh, the Pike Creek Center yet to see the facilities and the programming that students do, I would encourage all of our listeners just to stop by, just to experience it at some point. Very good. Well, I had not heard the news about your retirement, so congratulations on that. So. Well, very good. Uh, Steve Whitmoyer is is joining us as well. Uh, He is an instructor in the civil engineering department here at Gateway. And uh, Steve Whitmoyer, I would love to have you uh, unpack that term for us. First of all, engineering, and then civil engineering. Uh, What what is that all about? It's one of the things that really impacts all of our lives, but most of us kind of live oblivious to that. Sure. Engineering long story short, is the ability to solve problems. We take technology from a bunch of different areas and we try to address and solve a problem. The different types of engineering are based off the different types of problems there are. Electrical Mm. engineers deal with electricity. Mechanical deals with moving parts, moving machines. For civil, civil is short for civilization. So Mm. we solve problems with our civilization, how to make our civilization and our society better. And that's, in short, what we do as civil engineers. So uh, what would be a, an example of a real-world application in civil engineering? What, what would be sure. a All kind of Sure, all your roads, problem? bridges, uh, sewers, everything that deals with our society to make our society function, that's what we bring to the table as civil engineers. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is drive around Racine, Kenosha, and, and you recognize quickly how important they are. All the road construction that's going on, when you see a, an orange barrel, think of a civil engineer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, as, we, as we grumble under right. our breath. And yet, wh- where would we be if we didn't keep Correct. our roads in good repair? And I suppose you help decide where roads should go. And uh, Oh, absolutely. That's part of the city planning projects. And we facilitate those conversations. Very good. So it's exactly the kind of thing that impacts our lives dramatically, and yet most of us don't really understand this facet of it, but you do. And so at Gateway then, what are you training students to do? To be the assistants on a project. So we train up to be the construction project manager assistants, the civil engineering techs. If you look at all the construction equipment these days, it's really gone high tech. Hmm. So we develop the digital train models that are inputted into the heavy equipment that allow the contractors to actually have a better feel of everything in terms of construction on a job site. Wow. So, Don Heckel, uh, you are studying, actually, at Gateway. I think your day job, however, is uh, running a wonderful business in downtown Racine. First of all, we'll give you a, a moment to say a quick word about uh, about. Uh, uh, your your business, Third Coast Bicycles. Sure, sure. Uh, thanks for having me, first of all. Uh, so I'm a business owner downtown Racine, uh, Third Coast Bicycles at Sixth and College, plug, plug. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we've been there going on nine years, um, and it's been great. So, um, yeah, that's my day job. And um, uh, I found out I, as a veteran I get a state GI bill. So that kind of is what brought me back to Gateway and uh, also concurrently doing a smaller program at UWM as well. So it's been uh, very time-consuming, but very rewarding as well. It's been right. awesome. Yeah. So if I understand correctly, what you're studying at Gateway is construction project management. Yes, so sir. that sounds like that might be under yes. Steve's auspices then. It is. It is, yes. So so what drew you into that of all things? <laughs> that doesn't uh, sound like it has anything to do with bicycles. It doesn't. Uh, I've, I've got an undergrad degree. I've got a background in planning and zoning, urban planning and zoning. Uh, but as part of that, uh, 
short story long, long story short, uh, I did some development reviews. So I got really into real estate development uh, and I'm into urban infill. So I thought if I could get some construction project management background, combine that with some other things, I could I could possibly do a side gig. But ah. And I tell you, Don is an actual great example of a Gateway student and the pathway that Gateway can help support. I yeah. um, already have a degree, a veteran, by the way. Thank you for your service for that. An entrepreneur, um, an innovator, and as you'll hear, uh, uh, you know, a kind of creative designer in this new idea that he's bringing forward. And, and through that journey, connecting back to Gateway through the, the great faculty that we have and the resources that are available, um, I think it just helps to demonstrate all the different aspects that our college offers our community. Very good. So as a construction project manager, I mean, are you there with a hard hat and telling people what to do? Uh, not so much, and no. I haven't experienced it yet because I'm still in the program, but <laughs> right, uh, right. I, I think it depends on the job, quite honestly. Right. Uh, yeah. Sounds fascinating, actually. Well, very good. Well, we're, again, we're glad that all three of you can join us today. So let's find out a little bit about when this competition even was on anybody's map. Steve, let's start with you. Uh, when did you first even learn about this Smart Cities, Smart Futures competition? And did it immediately sort of ring bells for you that this oh, was something that you should be part of? And No. Uh, as part of civil engineering, that we are always involved with these aspects. And when we heard about the competition, uh, the first one was over at Udo, uh, Parkside, where they had a big presentation that they were rolling out this competition. So went over to the competition, listened to the in the whole concept behind what the competition was going to be. And one of the things that they focused on was the smart cities in Ohio. And I just happened to have grown up in Ohio. Mm. So I was like, that's actually in my backyard. So I went back and one of the big focal points was the Hall of Fame smart city that they're putting in Canton, Ohio. Mm. So I went over there, interviewed and talked with uh, Johnson Controls. We talked to the engineer from Canton, Ohio and found out more about what their focal points were for smart cities. And then Columbus was designated as a smart city early on by the feds. And we talked to some of the people down there and got a good feel of what was actually going on with regards to this competition. Mm -hmm. I know at some point uh, I'm supposed to ask you, and I'm going to ask you right now, for your understanding of this term of smart cities, because I think it'll help us understand then what this competition is all about that uh, Don and Kate were part of. Oh, absolutely. The term smart cities is a very encompassing concept. There's a lot of different aspects to it, but boil it down. It's how to use technology to make our society and our cities better, more functional, more efficient, and better operation modes, not only in transportation, but across the board for all aspects of our society. Steve's absolutely right. I mean, you think about how we monitor electricity and monitor water and monitor air quality. It's the data behind the uh, the environments we live in and how can we improve upon the efficiencies, the effectiveness, the, the quality of life around those systems. And uh, a lot of times technology can help measure that data, but it can also help uh, change the environment as a result of the learning about the data. So I'm just really excited because I think what the, the Smart City Initiative, whether it's the competition or the designation, brings to us is a greater heightened awareness about the role and responsibility that everyone can play in helping to change and influence the data of the environments we live in, whether it's the man-made environment or the natural environment. And uh, the, we should also acknowledge Foxconn is the one that brought the Smart City Smart Future competition 
to light with a million dollar prize. So it, it perked everyone up right away when they said they have a million dollars <laughs> worth of prizes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So we should probably clarify too that Foxconn didn't create the term smart cities. That's been around for a while. Correct, yes. So, but Foxconn created this competition to foster some new ideas around that concept. Right. And if you think about what Foxconn is bringing to our region, it is all about the data analytics and the science of manufacturing and how do we leverage um, greater capacity with automation and using machines to do do labor. And it's really just a, a holistic ecosystem of the impact on the environment to mass manufacturing, robotic integration, and then the, the you know, a form of life that we all want to live with a great environment to surround it. Very good. Well, let's get into the nitty-gritty of all this now. And so let's f- first turn to Kate Field again, who uh, was an instructor in the horticulture <laughs> department at Gateway, but just, uh, just announced to us at least that uh, she retired as of last week, but has been with Gateway for a long, long time, and she is one of the second round winners. So in a sense, you're like a finalist uh, in this uh, wonderful competition. And uh, your project, I understand, was called Wisconsin Urban Food Initiative. Tell us all about it. Well, the first thing I thought about when I heard about smart cities of the future was that the smart cities are gonna need smart food. And hydroponics is certainly the way of the future in producing smart food. Uh, Hydroponics is smart in that it uses far less water, far less land. It, we can produce food faster, easier, and safer using this technology. And in other countries, I would say that some of this is already happening, and so it's really opening up opportunities in Wisconsin to integrate this technology of, of the smart cities into our food system. Um, the greenhouse growing provides the opportunity to grow food that's free of soil and environmental contaminants, uh, as well as having much less risk of biological pathogens such as E. coli, and those are certainly risks that are increasingly threatening our food supply. In addition to that, transporting food uh, across country and around the world is really unsustainable and quite vulnerable to disruption, and that disruption might come from such things as climate change, labor shortages, and certainly many other issues that are facing uh, our food production and distribution system. My project focuses on turning historic and underused urban buildings into multi-use redevelopment projects, and I'm calling these uh, ag tech communities. So it's a way to preserve our heritage, our historical buildings, integrate this new technology into them, uh, and creating communities and buildings that people want to live, work, and play. The building has a rooftop greenhouse and gardens that support a market, shops, cafe, and apartment residents below. A kitchen incubator is also included that provides opportunities for food-related micro-industries, people who are wanting to develop small businesses such as food processing, jams, sauces, bath products, herbal mixes, any number of things that they could do, delivery services. Uh, The building also has a wellness center, and it has some flex space for things such as workshops and events, parties and other gatherings. And the the basic idea is to to develop agriculture and food-focused development that could be a model uh, useful in other cities as well. You could sort of translate that to other, plenty of other cities have 
underused and old buildings. Mm-hmm. So, but the but the key, in a sense, in terms of what you bring to it, is this idea of hydroponics of yes. food being raised in the middle of of a city on a scale that we really haven't seen before. Right. There's plenty of people that are doing hydroponics on land outside of cities. You know, building a greenhouse and growing food out there is pretty common these days. But how do we preserve our urban centers and also create the kind of cities and developments that young people want to live in? The idea that young people don't want to commute, they don't want to drive a long way, um, all things like that. Mm. I think you're right. I think, Kate, it speaks to the um, sort of farm-to-table initiative, you know, making sure that urban farming and uh, farmers' markets are readily available in communities so people can walk to them and have access to them. And I love the term ag tech because if you think about agriculture, 100 years ago, 98% of the population worked on a farm. And uh, today, 2% of the people work on a farm. So where are we going to grow all the food? We've got to find new ways to sustain that because it's one of those basic core things that, that we all need. And of course, in, in agriculture, today we talk about autonomous vehicles for transporting food. Well, I think it started in agriculture, right? If you went to over to Case uh, Tractors over there, they had GPS systems and tractors for a long time already. And so there's a lot of similarities and synergies that can be created between the agriculture industry and the smart city initiatives. Fascinating. Very good. And if we have a minute before the program's up, I hope we can ask you to explain a little more about exactly what hydroponics is, because I yeah. think that's a term not everybody understands. But your project is very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. I'd also like to point out that there's a phase two of this project that centers on research and development of new technology to produce pharmaceuticals such as vaccines, CBD, botanical extracts that are used both medicinally as well as in the food and beverage industry. So there's really two phases to this project. Ah. And that would spring directly out of the first thing that, mm-hmm. that would be created. Right. Fascinating. Very good. Don Heckel, we want to hear about your uh, project, which I understand is titled Tier Modal. Yes, sir, it is. Um, uh, initial reaction when I heard about the competition and, and Foxconn potentially coming to town with 13,000 jobs, uh, in theory, was uh, how, how do you move all these people? Um, transportation, okay. it, it, traffic has always been an issue, right? So um, I, I, uh, just doing some general research on my own, I stumbled onto a, a concept called TAS or MAS, transportation as a service, mobility as a service. Uh, I was I was. I thought it was very intriguing and, and thought we could apply those principles to this the, this competition. So uh, it's essentially, in a nutshell, uh, an app on one's phone um, that they can access. And under that app, you have many different modes of transportation, public buses, um, sh- ride share, uh, bike share, uh, and so on, under one app. And it's all seamlessly tied together. Uh, So someone taking a bus to a location doesn't have to go, how do I walk this last two or three miles to my ultimate destination? So uh, it's it's kind of almost door-to-door kind of service. So uh, Steve can probably expand on that a little bit as well, but that's that's kind of it in a nutshell. Right. Right. And the concept behind it was we have a lot of different modes already existing here in southeast Wisconsin. Modes of transportation. Exactly. But how do we tie them all together so they integrate – effectively together and that's one of the things that we were looking at when we did and I encouraged all the students to come up with ideas and Don brought that forward in class and we said okay let's take a look at it and figure out how we piece all these different pieces together more effectively. Hmm. So Don give us a real world example somebody's in 
somebody's at home and they sure. want to they want to get to Festival Hall or something like that. Sure, sure. And and how would what you have conceived be of of help to them? Sure, sure. Uh, it, it would be um, you pull up the app on your phone and you want to grab the local bus line. It, it would already have all of that figured out for you, essentially. Um, the bus schedule. The bus mean. schedule, exactly. I'm sorry. Uh, and you take the appropriate route to the destination. And at that destination, there would be, say, a bike share where you could potentially grab a bike to finish the last mile of your trip or whatever the case may be. So essentially tied together, uh, seamless transportation system. Uh, Is this, it's, it sounds like to some extent this already exists. Uh, it, it, it exists in Europe, uh, Vancouver. Um, I believe some larger cities in the U.S. are, are investigating it, um, but this would definitely be the first in the U.S. Yeah. And I think as it far also it helps to address one of the key in- issues that uh, all cities re- you know, struggle with, and that is transportation. How do we get people without a lot of mobility? Maybe they don't have their own car. How do right. we get them to right. the work site or right. to Festival Hall, like you exactly. said, or the grocery store or the doctor's office? And there are different modes of transportation available, but they're not always easily um, aligned and uh, sometimes it's hard to find them and in our part of the country the weather conditions play into that so any sort of mobile access is really what the smart cities is all about how do we get information to people so they can make informed decisions and then uh, proceed with their daily work right reminds me of when you're in a really big city like new york city uh this information to whatever extent it exists does not exist sort of in one place it's like you have to look for signs yourself and you really have to figure it out on your own. Yes. And in a sense, this app makes those connections for you, or, I mean, takes a step out of it. And particularly for somebody easily bewildered right. uh, by <laughs> such things, it could be a lifesaver. Certainly, certainly. Uh, and available to everyone. Yeah, not just workers, people who don't have a car, millennials who don't want to own a car. Back to Kate's, you know, statement about that. So um, that that's pretty much pretty much it. Right. So the, the the substance of your project then is it the app itself and how it would work or or it it, it that would be the end product essentially. Yes. Uh, I I'm not an app developer unfortunately. So uh, that's where we would kind of lean on other partners or individuals or, or entities that would be involved in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's an assessment of the community, in this case Racine, uh, to see what resources are already there and what would need to be added. So yeah. who are the new partners that come in with a bike ride share as an example? Um, you know, or how do we expand the idea of Uber or Lyft and how do we make that more readily available for folks or the city taxi service or the bus lines? And they all, like you said, they all operate individually. Right. <laughs> and the collectiveness of that could make a really dynamic tool for citizens of, yeah. of the community. Kind of take is... them all out of a vacuum, so to speak. Right. Because, yeah. yeah, they're they're all to an extent competitors right and mm-hmm. and and it's not necessarily something that they're going to take the time to initiate some right. interconnectedness although that would serve their customers better right. but uh, you, you're, you're thinking about the overview but the other Steve. huge advantage is that in southeast wisconsin racine county right now we have access to the hiawatha over in sturdivant we have access also to the krm down kenosha we have access to two major airports through buses but none of them are connected right now. And so this would also tie in all that to be a regional app, not just a local app. Mm. Well said, yes. Big picture then, which is important, yeah. And with so many things 
existing in sort of this regional plane versus local plane is really important. Yeah, if you're trying to attract new uh, people to your community, uh, being able to get around is really important. If you're trying to attract new investment, this is a strategy toward new investment, leveraging the resources that you already have so you're not rebuilding additional infrastructure. You can capitalize on all of that. Very good. So, uh, so Kate, uh, what does one win or get for uh, making it this far in this competition? Well, the winners receive $5,000, so that's the first big prize. But I think even more importantly is the recognition that I've received for being part of this competition. And people, you know, when do people ask you for your one big idea and really listen to it? And then taking that idea and really making it into a realistic business plan. I, I tell people this, this idea kind of took hold of me and had a, had a life of its own. And I was just here to, to put it out there. So I really have been honored and really humbled to be part of this project and this incredible group of Wisconsin educators that have come together to promote their best ideas in Wisconsin. I mean, it's it's been fabulous. Hmm. Fantastic. Don, you feel the same? I echo that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, honored for sure. Yeah, there were hundreds of applications from all two- and four-year college and universities throughout the entire state. And, um, you know, the idea of, uh, I love what Kate said, too, just being acknowledged for your one big idea. I think every one of us have this one idea that would, would really be a cool thing to do if someone would just listen to me, right? Right. And I, that, that's pretty that's pretty cool. So <laughs> there, there are only a handful of uh, candidates left for this award, and the final announcements will be made on Thursday. So we're really excited about that. Yeah. Uh, all, all three of our guests will be at the Milwaukee School of Engineering for the announcement, and uh, I'll be there as well cheering them all on. Um, but no matter what happens with the announcements, the ideas have already started to take root in our communities. That's great. Mm -hmm. I'd also like to say that I think Brian's leadership has really encouraged me to expand on my ideas and feel like I could express my ideas through his uh, emphasis on strengths, which has been really wonderful for our yeah, college. Thank you. That's great. And I should think, yeah, that that you have this idea that kind of bounces around in your head, but then when something comes along which is an opportunity to publicly voice that and present it, that really, in a sense, is a catalyst for you to focus that idea and, and put meat on the bones, think about the specifics, think about the application. I mean, it has to become more than just an idea. It has to become a meaningful proposal. Oh, and, Absolutely. I mean, there were over 80 judges that reviewed these, and uh, each project is reviewed multiple times. So it's not just one person knowing someone else and saying, hey, that would be a good idea. Th these are a cross-section of different experiences that judges bring to it, highly professional in their careers. And so they're assessing every element of the idea. Is it really something that could work? Is it sustainable? Is it practical? Is it affordable? Uh, is it something that is really needed in our community? So to be elevated to that level, that's a great recognition because a lot of people value your thoughts and ideas. Right. And, and just by entering this competition, for instance, you, Kate, you had to take that initial idea somewhat nebulous and, and hone it into something much more specific and tangible. Yes, we had to take it, provide information on costs, what would it cost to start this project, and then also on return on investment, some financial information, and certainly that was out of my uh, knowledge zone. But I called on partners, which is... Uh, was really a smart thing to do. <laughs> Very good. Steve, what can you tell us about this whole evaluation project and uh, what it's kind of meant for you as a teacher to be part of this? Oh, absolutely. One of the things that we pride ourselves at Gateway is that we bring in real-world real projects into our classrooms. 
And this gave us an opportunity for all of our students to start facilitating these ideas. So we had a lot of different ideas that we were supporting in our classroom coming forward. We had a couple made it out, and then we had two that made it out of the first round. And then we had, like I said, Don's proposal actually made it out of the second round, which was awesome. But to build and facilitate these concepts was really cool because they got to see the application of their knowledge in a wide variety of areas. Mm. And that's what really makes the application of knowledge so special in right. a classroom. Absolutely. Uh, Don, I know that you are involved in visioning a greater Racine, and I know a lot of our listeners have certainly heard about that that organization. Explain how your your project folds into that. I I. I I'm not as active a member as I should be, just to just to clarify. I don't want to uh, offend Vision Greater, Greater Racine. Joan Rohrer and uh, Trevor Young do great things there, uh, and and um, so so I I touched base with them when we got through to the next round. Is kind mm. of how it happened. Uh, they do have they've rolled out numerous committees um, based on. Um, citizen input when they first became an organization and transportation is one of their committees so mm. we we kind of bounced this off of them and off the transportation committee uh attended a meeting and 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 that was about the extent of it just to be quite honest mm-hmm. um so uh, it, it works with everything they um you know are visioning it's it's you know efficient transportation um uh equitable um access for everyone um so uh, that's that's kind of how it folds into what they're thinking um, right. and what their what their goals are. Very good. Your proposal uh, obviously makes a great deal of sense for Racine specifically. How much have you thought about its applicability to other kinds of communities, to sure. larger cities, sure. to smaller cities, to maybe even relatively small towns? I sure. mean, does this make sense anywhere, at least to some extent, or? Or is this really something that you conceived, in a sense, uniquely and specifically for Racine? Uh, just based on my research, it, it, it's mainly larger cities, uh, large metropolitan areas. Um, my goal for this was kind of essentially Racine, but back to what Steve mentioned was more regional. Um, mm. I worked for Sewer Pack, so I have a regional, the Regional Planning Commission, I have a regional uh, kind of vision, uh, whether it's urban planning or whatever. Um, so. Uh, to the question whether it can be used, utilized in small cities, I I don't see why not. Um, I I don't know, you know, how that would be facilitated, um, and I don't know if smaller cities have the transportation issues that even a medium-sized city might. Uh, but I don't see why it couldn't be scaled down or or up um, in any situation. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea behind the concept of trying it here was one that's our backyard, but yep. two. One of the big problems you have with major cities is that it's a retrofit to congestion. So they've developed congestion. Now they're trying a bunch of things to solve these problems. Mm. If we can get out ahead of the curve and actually solve these problems before it becomes an issue, that's going to be so much more advantageous for our society in general. Yeah, and I think uh, Don mentioned it too, just sort of urban planning, the idea whether it's a large city, small town, whatever it might be, to try to plan ahead as much as possible. And uh, oftentimes, you know, wherever the train stop was, that's where the town developed, right? Or wherever the river crossed, that's where the town developed. (laughs) And and so that worked really well a century ago, and uh, now we're kind of stuck with that. So how do we improve access for individuals, whether it's small town or big city, um, by taking advantage of all the systems that have been built over time. Right. And of course, Don, one of the things you said that inspired you was this 
potential influx of so many people with the Foxconn development. And so right. that's what got you thinking about issues of transportation even more than you had before. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And that is kind of partially why I'm in the bicycle industry as well. I, uh, the bicycle is not just a, a recreational thing. To me, it's, it can be utilitarian. Uh, we see it all the time. So uh, as an aside. Absolutely. And it's kinder f- to the planet. That's for it sure. It is. Most efficient our, means of transportation. Right. And <laughs> to our bodies. Kate Field, uh, your project, uh, if it were to see the light of day in terms of really becoming a reality, uh, would it would probably uh, involve the involvement of, of investors, I should think. Uh, is that folded into your proposal as well? Certainly. Uh, I, would, I would love to see this project become a reality, but it would definitely require some strong uh, investors. I think the phase one project of the urban redevelopment would attract one type of investor and also communities that are looking to um, create new life in their urban centers. Also, uh, the idea is to create living spaces that would attract young people and talent to our urban centers and sort of reverse the migration trend that we're experiencing. I, in the end, developed the kind of place I would like to live. So I do think (laughs) it uh, speaks to generations of people that would like to live in a ag tech community and not have to drive it everywhere. And one of the phrases that Foxconn uses a lot is the kind of city that you want to live, work, and play. Mm. And certainly the smart city of tomorrow for me would have to include fresh food and nature of some sort. Right. I think the the second phase of the project would be attractive to different uh, biomedical and pharmaceutical companies all within that Chicago-Milwaukee corridor. There's quite a few of them that would be interested in patenting the technology and equipment needed to produce some of the biomedical um, products that this is, it's being done in other places, uh, especially in New York and even in Canada and Minnesota. So there's um, a really huge emerging trend for this type of technology in the medical and and, um, flavoring industries. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I think I think the world is changing a bit too. So if you think about what we used to market communities around, come and visit. We have great parks, great bike paths, and those are all really cool uh, amenities. But now, what Kate's talking about, where do you want to live, and how can you live in an environment that feels like a park and has access to you know different forms of mobility? And I think she's absolutely right and onto something. In that, as we try to attract new people to our community, it's going to have to be something that is really compelling to why they would want to live downtown. And uh, creating that space, that environment, that, that friendly ecosystem, being interactive in your community, I think resonates with a lot of young people. Right. And I think if you look at living in Wisconsin, the reality is eight months of the year, it's pretty cold and nasty to be outside. So if you create some greenhouse living spaces, that helps entice people here, too. And yeah. if you look at the trends acro- around the world, Google headquarters is greenhouse-like. Amazon's new headquarters include greenhouse space. The things they're doing in other countries like Singapore is is amazing. So uh, we, we can do that here, too. Interesting. That's a great idea. By the way, can you summarize in 45 seconds or so what hydroponics is? Hydroponics is growing in water, and there's a lot of different techniques for doing that, but it's basically growing in, in water, and it's very efficient and um very easy to do, actually. So that's I, it. 
I, I, I first saw hydroponics at Disney World of there all places. At the Epcot Center, there's some place that, that, that they have kind of a place you walk through and see this. But then I remember seeing it right here at Gateway not long after that. And so. I would say that we have a plant sale coming up May 18th. So if you would like to see the systems in action, they'll be filled and ready to go for those sales. Saturday, May 18th. I've very never good. actually heard us compared to Disney World. Great. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> Except when people might call me Mickey Mouse. That's right, right, the only right, thing, right? right, right. No, it's a compliment. It's a compliment. Uh, so, Steve, I should think that uh, this touches on so much of what you do as a teacher at Gateway. Is it tricky to foster or encourage someone's idea without driving it too hard? Or, I mean, what, what do you see as your role when you are helping facilitate students to explore ideas like the one that Don has put forward. Oh, absolutely. The whole idea is that as an instructor, you want to encourage and help foster those ideas. So the idea comes from the individual, and you just give them the background and everything. With regard to Don, it was like a perfect combination between the two of us because Don has a sewer pack background. He worked for a transportation company. I came from Purdue and North Carolina State where my background was heavy into the civil engineering transportation side. So we combine those two aspects to help promote and facilitate these ideas. And then you just put out, well, what about this and what about that? You pose more questions than you do solutions, and you help develop the concept with them. Very good. So, Don, what are your highest hopes, besides, of course, hoping that you win the big prize, of course, (laughs) as I'm sure Kate hopes as well for herself, but, I mean, um, beyond that, beyond even the parameters of this competition, uh, what are you hoping can happen right here in southeastern Wisconsin when it comes to transportation, and how do you see your proposal being part of that? Actually, I think if, if our proposal moves on to the next round, or actually there is no next round, but uh, uh, whether it's accepted or not, I, I think Brian mentioned it, it's, it's, it's out there now. Um, I think it's a little bit of a new idea, it, um, maybe in the U.S., but certainly in the Midwest. Um, so I, I, I think it would be almost a template for people to use in the future uh, as far as solving transportation issues, uh, mobility issues. Um, getting people to work, uh, recreate, leisure. Um, So kind of having our proposal out there as as an idea or a template for someone to maybe act on, whether it be next year or five years down the road to Mm -hmm. solve some problems. And what I'm so excited about is that this is just the beginning. This was a catalyst of an opportunity to engage students and faculty in helping us uh, transform our region and through Gateway Services have some influence on that. And I I think this momentum is just starting to build. Uh, Whether it's a competition or not, we will always be looking for new solutions to help support our communities and find smarter ways to do our work and, uh, and Gateway continuing to make those investments in our own campuses and our own facilities so so I can assure you that aquaponics and hydroponics will be a part of our future and that digital and mobile devices will be a part of our future and we continue to find ways to strengthen that service to our students through through gateway and hopefully now through our community very good just to clarify as we finish so uh, coming up in just a matter of days is the announcement of who the ultimate winner is and with a million or some big prize attached to that. And then does that idea immediately become become reality? Is that how it's set up? Well, we would like to think so, but it takes a lot of work, of course. We need to find investors and find the right ap- approach to all of that. Um, 
I think that what Foxconn is committed to a three-year uh, window, so this isn't just a one-time activity. Uh, it's probably more likely that several announcements will be made as a result mm -hmm. of the events coming up and the great projects and the ideas, and hopefully locally, because the ideas are initi initiated locally, that that's where the grassroots effort will be to develop them. But I'm sure that as more and more people find out the details of the projects, which haven't been released yet, then you start to speak, you know, spark the interest of investors to say, I'd like to take your idea and and make it a little bit, uh, push it a little further. Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to see some of that. It's really an entrepreneurial uh, strategy, so it's going to take a while to, to develop startup companies. Well, it will be exciting to yeah, follow absolutely. whatever is going to transpire from this point on. But in the meantime, we want to offer hearty congratulations uh, to, uh, to the winners who are with us already. Kate Field, uh, an instructor in the horticulture department, or was, <laughs> now happily retired, but... Uh, Great to have you here on the morning show. And again, your plant sale uh, for the May Horticulture 18th. Department, May 18th. And Don Heckel, who owns Third Coast Bicycles and studies construction project management here at Gateway, uh, the, the, the other winner, and in conjunction with Steve Whitmoyer, yes. uh, instructor in the Civil Engineering Department here at Gateway Technical College. This has been a tremendously exciting conversation. We are grateful to all of you for being with us today, and we're also grateful to uh, the mayor of Racine, Corey Mason, for making time in his very busy schedule to also be part of today's morning show. And, of course, President Brian Albrecht, thanks to you as well. You're going to be busy on May 21st, I think. I can't believe it. We're already finishing up our semester, and we have commencement coming up on May 21st. So just a great big thank you to all of our faculty and staff, and a congratulations to all of our graduates. Very good. President Brian Albrecht, the president of Gateway Technical College, thank you for also you. being part of the morning show. My pleasure.